you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. It's creepy. Welcome to the Friday Fun Show. Working title: The Around the NFL <laughs> Podcast Primer for Sunday. And uh, isn't the Thursday show the primer for Sunday? You don't even know what primers are, bro. Dan Hans is here with Greg Rosenthal and Mark Sessler. Good to start things off in an adversarial way. Mm, this feels like a like um, weak Meek Mill. This is like weak Mill right now. Like ah, very nice. Good takedown of our Greg. opening theme. Mark, how are you? I got there. Uh, it's Friday, so I'm in a little bit of a better mood than I would normally be in. There's an uptick in the the mood and the in the the happiness, the loftiness. Yes, if you're listening to the podcast version of today's show, remember that you can be a part of it live every Friday morning, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, happy hour in UK and surrounding territories. So that's kegs and eggs in L.A. That's like a madman lunch in New York and, you know, pint, pints and pulp in the U.K. Well, we had a listener saying that they just cracked a, a Guinness, which I think is an appropriate action for this show. Uh, well, they pour a Guinness there, Mark. We're going to be going to London well, fair. in a couple of weeks, and you can't be <laughs> so saying American. cracking open a can of Guinness and uh, expect to survive a trip. So, yes, Donovan Gallagher, one of our listeners, poured a Guinness and is waiting to let it settle, and then he's going to enjoy it along with the show. Coming up today, uh, we're going to, uh, like I said, final thoughts ahead of week one. Uh, we're going to make our MVP predictions. We're going to get the uh, listeners involved with some kind of mailbag questions. But before that, let's put a bow on the first game of week two. A good one at Arrowhead. Chargers go without a huddle again. Right side drive intercepted on the left side. Picked off at the goal line at the 25-yard line. Picked off by Watson. Watson can go all the way. The seventh-round pick, 20, 15, 10, 5. Jalen Watson cooking hamburgers in Augusta, Georgia. Then he went to Wazoo, and now he gets a 100-yard pick six for a touchdown. Can 
Kansas City at 10:29 to go in the game. Oh, there's a call for you. Mitch Holtis from a Arrowhead Stadium just going off. What a big moment that was for the Chiefs who fall behind early against the division rival Chargers. But yes, the game-turning pick six when it appeared the Chargers had a chance really to take control of that game late or regain control. And instead, it's the Chiefs who take control. Jalen Watson's pick six, the difference in a 27-24 Chiefs win over the Chargers. Watson said later, I don't even remember what happened at that moment. It's all so surreal. So always fun when a seventh round pick has such a huge moment. I think it was, how was the game described by Shadowy League figures? Uh, the, the most important broadcast in the history of the medium? Something like that. <laughs> nice way to start the Amazon package. Great game, Greggy. I um, felt like I was watching last year's late season AFC West deciding game because the Chargers so clearly outplayed the Chiefs for a second straight time when they played and the Chargers for the second straight time uh, found a way to lose. Like they had more yards for play. They moved the ball better. It felt like they should have had three to four interceptions. A couple got overturned by penalty. They dropped two or three more. And then the one mistake really that the Chargers made other than some strategic things, Jared Cook uh, or rather Gerald Everett, who was doing his best Jared Cook impression, um, has a lazy route, kind of fools Justin Herbert into that pick six. And it just felt like so many Chargers games. I know they've beaten uh, the Chiefs a couple times in Arrowhead, once with Chad Henney, but it just felt like every Chargers-Chiefs game. You can't tell me any different. Well, I mean, and Gerald Everett had that big catch prior, and it was sort of suggesting, get me out, I need a breather. And so I think that factored into his miscommunication and sort of sloppy route running on that. Yeah, lazy route is kind of a, a tough call, Greg, when he maybe should have been out of the game in that moment. He was obviously dealing with conditioning issues. I mean, yeah, but it was a mental error. And so, okay, you're lazy. Like Dan Aronofsky Wait, is that, broke- is that a mental error if you're exhausted? He, I know we're going to defend Justin Herbert to the yes, very end, no he, matter what on the show, but. Yeah, you know. I, Jordan Orlovsky did a good job explaining it, but it's like he just needed to take the out. The point of him was to clear that sort of side. If he's open, he's open. Great. Um, but the guy on the inside has the choice to go either way and he needs to clear the spot. And he just sort of looked and saw for a second that he thought he should move in on a play that he's supposed to just clear out. And yeah, he totally fooled this quarterback. Hmm. All right. What were you saying? You, Mark? You're just looking to blame Justin Herbert. You no, don't it's like, like it when it's I really just want to make sure. And by the way, it's your fault if you're tired in an NFL game too. Like after you made well, it, I would run agree with you there, Greg. Out. I yeah. mean, it's we're here in September. The idea that Gerald Everett is winded is is a problem to begin with. If that's what was going on there, but I mean, come on, the most striking visuals from this game are how it ended with Justin Herbert getting cracked twice and just lying on the ground in total pain. And I know it's this debate should they have pulled him. Um, at one point, I Dan, I saw what you tweeted last night, and there was a when when the after the Frank Clark hit, where he just was on like looked in extreme anguish. I thought the same thing. You got to get him out of there. But then he does or turns around and fires the bullet to Deontay Carter. Just like I don't know. It's like we we've lived in a world with football where like Byron Leftwich in, at Marshall went to the hospital, came back in the game, and was carried down the field by offensive linemen in between plays. I mean, I think part of it has to be Justin Herbert's. A solitary decision to stay in or not, and if he wanted to, mm, I was totally cool with him disagree doing that. with that. 
I thought that was borderline malpractice by Brandon Staley, who, again, has not impressed me, uh, does not cover himself in glory as head coach, in my opinion, at this point. I think the the player, especially someone as special as Herbert, is such an elite competitor. He's never going to want to come out. He's not going to wave his hand and say, take me out of this game. I thought he was one bad hit away from potentially this turning into a very ugly scene mm-hmm. at Arrowhead. And I hated the way that when he... And I understand, like, the play after this happened, what I'm about to explain, he threw an incredible dart to set up the final touchdown. And by the way, they're down 10 points. They're already back against the wall, probably 95% lose probability. And it's like when he throws that ball away when he has the first down, but he knows he can't take a hit and he can't even throw. I'm sorry. Like, this guy, not only is he your franchise, he's also like a human being who clearly is in danger. Like, he was literally in danger. And I'm not trying to, like pump this up and they just left him in the game. And I just thought, Ooh, all right. I mean, that was a decision you made. And I feel like right now we're finding out that he's undergoing tests for an apparent rib or chest injury. That's again, not a part of the body you want to mess with. If if you're clearly in a lot of pain, I just hated it. I'm with you. And uh, because of the situation, they had virtually no chance to win the game there. And it was partly because of the chargers coaches that, their offense like makes sense when he gets rid of the ball quickly, uh, like when he gets rid of it after 2.5 seconds, but there's nothing downfield. He only threw two throws downfield the whole game, including that great one at the end. He hit them both for big plays, and it's this weird dink and dunk offense under Joe Lombardi that I'm just not a huge fan of. Yeah, I mean, to your point, Greg, in the second half, and I thought the Chargers in the first half, like they they took command of this entire thing. And then in the second, he, he averaged 3.1 air yards per pass in the second half. I mean, to your, they was dinks and dunks, and it is a Joe Lombardi issue. I mean, I thought Staley, if, 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 their, if their identity was to be aggressive on fourth down, there were a handful of situations where he seemed to back away from that. And I, I think that's Did fine. Did last in, week, too. That's fine in some games. Um, but when you're dealing with Patrick Mahomes on the other side, like, you've got to be aggressive. And so, I, Dan, I know you're down on Brandon Staley. What I'd be down on is if he changed what he was, a philosophy he was so strong about a year ago. And I know tons of people hated it, others liked it, but he stuck with it. But if you changed all that now because of the reaction, which I, we don't know why, but it's like there were a couple situations where last year's Brandon Staley would have absolutely dialed it up on fourth down. Yeah, well, it didn't work this game. Didn't work last year. And I just, I don't think this was a Chargers going to Charger uh, game. I think what happened here. They were here, up 10 nothing. Yeah, I think, well, yes, they, but again, you're in Arrowhead. I thought, I think a big boy game broke out in the second half. And here are the Chiefs on in prime time on a huge stage. And the Chiefs have been through the wars and they found a way to make it happen. And the Chargers are just not there yet. And I don't think that means they won't get there, but I did think it was a bit of a, a gut check. I thought, you know, heading into this game, this felt like a huge litmus test for the Chargers. And, you know, when um, Sante Samuel looks to have an interception when they're up 17-7, I'm like, oh, look at this. They might actually do this thing. And then who knows the way we're talking about the Chargers this morning. But instead, it doesn't work out. The offense stalls. Herbert gets hurt. The pick six happens. And it is what it is. So we're kind of right back where we started with the AFC West right now, in my opinion, where this is the Chiefs division. I think the Chargers are going to be frisky and be in the mix. But I feel more and more confident that Kansas City is still the class of this group. By the way, like I used the the term in my last statement, take command. And I, as I said, I realized I can't say that ever again on the show. It is it does not functionally does not work as a statement. Also, you have to qualify by, you know, getting ready to take command. Ready I mean, that's to, uh, well, the whole the yeah, whole concept. Uh, you have to stammer. 
take you have command. to you have to imagine being on a private jet with a social media um conduit coaching you through it maybe holding up a cue card it's take seven and they know they probably need to take eight but the plane's about to land and and they've basically run out as of as we runway. all know decided to really go ahead and uh, start to take command yeah and it's like we're get we'll have to use this one that's it and now it's in eternity you're right Quickly on Mahomes, like that was a bad Mahomes game. Everyone knows that it could have been picked off four or five times. But I was thinking about Roger Federer's retirement and some analysis I heard about this recently. Lo- love Federer. All right, uh, let's clear the runway uh, as it were, quick. Mark, no, it'll for be quick, Greg's tennis takes. The, it has nothing to do with tennis. The, although <laughs> I did enjoy the tennis analyst said that the tennis cognoscenti so maybe Ooh. it's cognoscenti. That was the British pronunciation. Um, pointed <laughs> I out. I love you, Brits. Like. When you control time in sports, and he thought Federer really controlled time, then you control the game. And I thought that was such a great point. And it really reminded me of Mahomes that, yeah, this was a bad game. But if you think of the three biggest plays he made in this game, it's like the rest of the game is moving in slow motion for him. That throw to Travis Kelsey, where Kelsey ended up getting suplexed by Derwin James, that was like... Mahomes is fourth read and he had already spun around and it was like everyone around him was moving in fast motion, but it didn't matter what he did. That's what he did on the Justin Watson touchdown where he beats JC Jackson. Mahomes did an unbelievable job stepping up against good pressure in the pocket to throw a one footed pass to Watson for that touchdown. And then on the sidearm one, we've gotten so used to the touchdown early, the sidearm one, he's just buying time, buying time, buying time. And he just seems so untroubled while all the defensive players are coming around him. And I I really think even compared to two years ago, the game is just in slow motion for him and he controls time in in a way that other quarterbacks just don't. He's ridiculous. All right. I like that. Controlling time. That's what we all seek to do. And yet we cannot it is the the mortality that binds us all, right, Mark? I think that's well said by both. Even of you. even Federer, although unlike Federer, it's like he's forty one, his career is over. We're we're in our forties. We're we're still flying. Ooh, well, we're like not that. athletes, so we could do this for another twenty years if they'd have us. I did. I I revisited because it's on Netflix for the first time in a while. Um, American Beauty, um, and uh, it Age starts so bad. It starts with talking uh, Lester Burnham, the main character played by the since disgraced Kevin Spacey uh, doing a rundown of the mundane elements of his life. And he's like, I'm a 42 year old man with nothing going on. I was like, I got to turn this off. (laughs) When I saw that, I thought 42 was like, I mean, now I'm like, I'm six years older than that character. That's absurd to me. Only Garden State has aged worse of 1990s movies. That would be my top two. That's actually a good off season podcast topic. I like that. But let's uh, let's take a uh, let's wrap up Thursday night football talk um, again, all the week two games recapped on the Sunday night flagship show. And then the double header Monday night, Greggy, uh, Greggy at night, late nights with Greggy. We're going to get a Reef Hassan who's moved on to a, a national role, but has been covering the Vikings the last couple of years. Going to nice. join us. Good booking. Graver's going to be doing the <laughs> Titans, you know, It'd be good great. booking, bro. Who does the booking, Greg? Do you handle that or do you hand that off to an assistant? Um, so far, I've done it to, to the first two weeks, but um, maybe we'll get an assistant. But, and branding's important, Greg. So I just threw it out there late nights with Greggy. That's a Ooh, six like that. at best. Yeah. I think I think we could work on that. Maybe the listeners as part of today's show can help out with uh, the Monday night recap name for Greg. All right, let's uh, move on. 
Where is Gravedigger? Where is he? Hello. Yeah. I was talking Grave to Gravedigger. I was, uh, you know, talking with Graver before the show about some, you know, elements uh, in post-production. And he's like, yeah, whatever, dude. I got to get to a wedding right after this. So it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> Are we already there with this producer? No, 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 no. This is, I'm the best man, so I have to, like, be at the rehearsal. That's uh, all. The speech. I've done yeah. that a couple times. Ooh, That's a big so one. It's like a good time. How long should my speech be? Oh, not, don't, don't weigh them down with anything too mm. weighty. I, I, Three jab. minutes. I think not three minutes. No, three, that's a very Greg answer. I would say Come five on, to seven. And, you know, okay. if it's really, is this yeah. like your best friend? Yeah. Yeah. That's Oh, great. take I people think, on a journey, you know? I think three to five <laughs> is totally appropriate. If you be, just, whatever all your best stuff is, just say all that and take out everything else. I'm glad I did sure, not know Greg when I got married. And make sure, <laughs> and this is not to, you know, take shots at the opposite sex, but make sure the um, the matron or maid of honor goes first. Because that's yeah. always that's always a pretty easy bar to clear. Um, so, you know, have them set things up. And then when you come on and you right off the bat deliver a zinger and you, you're personable and engaging, they're like, whoa, now the mm. reception is flying. Yeah, but if you By ever, the way, I'm, mm. I'm reading the comments. Everyone is uh, supporting me in my shorter is better uh, take. No one's ever been like, wish that one was longer. Yeah, but it depends Just, if you're good at it. Like, well, we didn't say 25 minutes. It, you could do. We said five to seven. You're you're like okay. in and out in two and a half minutes. It's like an NFL five. network hit. Three to five. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Let's get to it. All right. Let's do a little fun segment. Uh, let's call it The Floor is Yours. So that we're, again, we're figuring out the Friday Fun Show working title, um, FFS. And uh, today we're going to take turns uh, just throwing a topic out there and then um, have some fun with it. So I thought about this, Al Michaels with Kirk Herbstreet, which I thought was a very nice start uh, for that team on TNF, Amazon. Um, I think Al Mike and I tweeted this, Al Michaels is cer- certainly the guy I'd most want to have a cocktail in Malibu with. Not just one, three cocktails in Malibu. And mm. like, you sit down and you have the first one and you, you know, knock off the rust or get to know each other a little bit. The second one, and all of a sudden conversations flow. And then the third one, all right. Now we're really chopping up. And Al Michaels, with all his stories at 77 years old, his life in Los Angeles, he, he knows Malibu better than anyone. I don't know if we've gone you know, to Nobu or Dukes or Moonshadows, Jeffries, Paradise Cove, where I proposed to my wife. I, that's his call. I'll just tell me where to be, Al. I'll be there. So... With that in mind, by the way, do you notice Al Michaels called Jeff Bezos one of the great mathematical minds in history? That was weird. <laughs> Is that what he's known for? Jeff Bezos? Uh, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have described him that way, but I mean, I'm sure he's like a, a genius. But... I felt uncomfortable for Goodell. It felt like Bezos was almost like leaning into his midsection, and I, I felt like Goodell was like, please give me my personal space. Yeah, Goodell can't seemed say annoyed. That billionaire. Yep. And the real ones know that the most important and intriguing figure was the guy to Rog's right, which was Curtis Martin, totally overlooked in conversation, but whatever. All right, so here are my five, uh, top five, three cocktails in Malibu figures in the NFL. One, and this might surprise you, but it shouldn't, Bill Belichick. Um, I feel like the Tito's or Scotch or whatever he's drinking would disarm him. He'd take a little bit of a shine to Tugboat. Um, and I'd love to just hear him once he gets loose, like talk Parcells, his exit from the Jets, Deflategate, 9-11, Aaron Hernandez hot takes, 
his favorite <laughs> WW2 documentaries, like Bon Jovi, underappreciated deep cuts. I would tell him that I'm, I'm into Midnight in Chelsea off John's 97 solo effort, Destination Anywhere, and I feel like that would really go a long way with Bill <laughs> Belichick. Um, that's my number five. Uh, four, Mike Tomlin, who I think would have, the Steelers coach would have a real uh, Neil Patrick Harris in Harold and Kumar vibe. Um, the night only begins at Moonshadows once you get Tomlin warmed up. We've heard some good stories that he's a fun hang. Not that he would hang with us, but that he's a fun hang. Right. But that's what the idea of Three Cocktails in Malibu is. Is like, yeah, maybe we get put together, put together by an arrangement, but get a couple in them and Tomlin's like, oh, yeah, now where are we going next? Let's go. Follow me. I'm like, all right. Uh, Michael Irvin, I know he works with us, so this isn't, and we live in Los Angeles, so uh, in theory, this wouldn't be the most impossible thing, but it is. We have no relationship with Michael Irvin, but again. Well, I, I vaguely had a cocktail with Michael Irvin um, at the draft. I don't know if he realized that he was having one with me, though. Well, well I was with you for that, right? You were across the room. I, I was engaged in conversation with him. Uh, he seemed, uh, you know, had, he, he was enjoying it himself, I thought. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that's how he saw that interaction as well. Uh, next, Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. Now, this would be the rare because, you know, uh, Zeuser likes his Tito's and soda. But this would be the exception. I would drink the Bud Heavies uh, with Dan Campbell. We'd throw back six Budweiser's and, um, you know, just get his takes on things in life. And I feel like he would you'd really learn about a lot about Dan Campbell. I think after a bunch of drinks, uh, I'd be there. Tom Brady for the Giselle talk. Like, I could be the guy that he could finally open up to about what's going on. And then I'd share it with you guys on the podcast in the audience. I don't even think he opens up with his friends. I feel like that might be a tough one. But then he has the third cocktail. Dan is is good at that. I've had experiences um, with Dan in that situation. I think he might be the one that could get Tom Brady to uh, to speak like a little birdie. I'm just going to say that, like, Mark is probably a little easier to get to to speak on things. (laughs) Just a little. Okay. <laughs> and finally, my white whale is Joe Namath, and uh, for obvious reasons. But I also, Joe's clean now. I don't want to mess with his sobriety. Uh, but I'd pay to hear stories about his life, uh, including when he o- co owned the Bachelor's Three nightclub on the Upper East Side. Ooh. And six months after he won the Super Bowl uh, in 1969, uh, Pete Rozelle, the commissioner of the NFL, said he didn't like the undesirables connected to the nightclub and uh, forced Joe to sell. And Joe said, I'm not selling. I retire. Joe Namath retired for the NFL at 26 years old uh, for a month. Like the, the Tom Brady story is cute this year. We want to talk about a crazy one month retirement for a uh, Hall of Fame QB. That was it. And eventually uh, Namath realized he had to let go of Bachelors 3. Uh, and he did divest himself and rejoin the Jets during training camp. But that's one of my favorite NFL stories ever. I wish if I could go in a time machine, go to Bachelors 3, which was Namath and two other dudes that were also Bachelors in New York City during that time. Uh, that feels like, let's get in the time machine, Sessler. Mm. Let's head to Bachelors 3 and see what no, happens. You don't have to convince me. I'd, I'd go there today by noon. Do you want it? Yes, I do. All right. Time machine. <laughs> there you go. The floor was mine, and uh, now the floor is back to the group. Is anybody... anybody? Al like, feels the most realistic. Now, you got to be careful. I, I would say use the the, um, the new Uber uh, account that they got us for work. Al's had some some mishaps getting home from, from Malibu. Just saying. Oh, Greg. 
I mean, it's happened multiple times. I live in the area. I just want to be safe driving on the roads. You know, I might see you owl. Know. Why, Greg? Well, Greg's we like don't Stein talk about Mel Gibson. It's funny. We, you know, Geno we get, we, if DUI we're bus Stein, doesn't come Steve up. Com, if we're going to give Steve Kime the, the business. I was just going to say, like, Gino's DUI bus doesn't seem to come out of mm. your mouth too often. It's funny. Gino uh, has been a nonstop present in the comments. Just people just saying, waiting for me to bring him up. It was, he wasn't going to come up this show. Uh, all right, let's uh, move on. Hey, Gravedigger, uh, what do the listeners have to say? The listeners have been very active, but guys, send us some football questions to get to here. Here's a question that has nothing to do with football. Okay. The Undesirables, potential name for the Friday show? Is that referring to us or the people in the comments section? I, I'm loving the comments. People want are talking up li- Little Debbie. I did get a lot of suggestions um, for the Monday Night Show, by the way, after you asked. Snark After Dark with 60% G. <laughs> Under the Sheets with Greggy. Recap with Rosie. Uh, Cone Bonnois with Greg, which uh, it's like 2.17 in the morning in, in Japan. Rosie's Monday Nightmare. I don't know. I like Snark that's After good. Dark. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Snark After Dark with 60%. That's very like uh, Steve Summers, the schmoozer. Snark after dark. I mean, last week's was under the sheets with Greggy and Gino. Maybe not for the entire family. So the best question we have right now, Gravedigger, is who is the best third down back in the league right now? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what are we doing here? What about this one? Are the Cardinals dead without DeAndre Hopkins? Is it too early to call it? I think they're maybe they could maybe they could flip what they did the last couple years. Maybe they can stoink for the first month of the season and then like reverse engineer it. But I I do think they're going to be in a world of hurt. I don't I don't feel like DeAndre Hopkins comes back and saves everything else that we saw in that one game. If that continues, that level of disorganization, I'm not sure it's a player away scenario for that for what's going on there. What else we got? Yeah, they're in trouble. He wasn't even that good last year before he went out. Here's one. Now Costa, Calamares, how long is. into this season does it take networks to go all 22 cam? It looked amazing last night. Yeah, that was one element of the Amazon coverage that I saw being pumped up in some corners of Twitter that you have real time all 22. That sounds cool. It does feel like, yes, and obviously there's going to be some um, shadowy league figure brand building here. But there are elements of what happened on Thursday that feel like the future of how sports are going to be presented to consumers with more and more choices on how they digest it. So like the fact that um, that's how the show I didn't have any glitching issues with my telecast like this sounds pretty good. Like me, I'm more like meat and potatoes. I like Alan Kirk, so I'm going to stick with that telecast. We also had it on locally because we're in L.A., so I just put it on. I, I'm st- I still have DirecTV, so I just watched it on the local station. Did wow. anyone check out Maybe? The, uh, the Dude Perfect broadcast version? I, I didn't, but I feel like my kids would have been into that. Um, but I wasn't going to you know, change the channel to watch those guys. <laughs> this is, what else we got? Dan is so set in his ways, I love it. <laughs> Mike B wants to know if the heroes listen back to the podcast as the tape dogs you claim to be, and he knows Greg doesn't. Uh, I do quite often actually listen to the podcast uh, just to see how things came out, things that Justin and I work with, or the producers, and in general, I just like to see. Sometimes I learn things listening to the podcast because things are moving fast and. Greggy or Marky will make a point that I missed during the show. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I hear that. So I do. I, I check in. 
I think just make like sure you to listen up more. You can get better at doing it, especially early on. Like I would listen a lot and like realize you should not have gone you not should not have said that. Keep your mouth shut. Other times speak up, but um not really. I don't listen to it that much now. Uh, like, if, for instance, if I'm in the car and someone, you know, in my family is listening to it, I'm just like, turn that off. Now, I get, <laughs> these voices I hear all the time. So it's like, I'm good. But I will say one thing with, with the whole thing that happened with our dear friend Wes, um, I've spent a lot of time going back and listening to just random episodes from like 2015. And there are so many incredible West gems, but also were also different way back then that I find those to be treasures to listen to. And I, I, I don't do it as much. I save it for like a Friday night sometimes. And it's a delight. Yeah, I've enjoyed going back, um, looking for little Easter eggs from Wes. Listening to the current shows is torture. I can't think of anything I, I, I enjoy less. So it does not seem like Greg loves working time. with Dan and Mark. What no, about it's you? not. It's not you guys. I, I'm self-critical in the what moment. About a four minute show? best man speech. Right. <laughs> Look, I I stand strong with that idea. Like I've done a couple best man speeches, and maybe the second one was more like five yeah. or six. Some went, some one went good, one went poorly. I'll, I'll put it that way. Can you imagine? But no one, like, no Greg one is with sad. all the negging in his best right. man speeches, like all the you know backhanded compliments and little digs within the speech that are done in love. But everybody's kind of like, what's up with this guy? Why is he taking shots at the <laughs> groom? It's like the, the no, bride's anything, family I, is I just went, like. I went too sweet on the on the first one, and, and I thought I could wing it uh, more than I could. It was not good. All right, uh, let's do a couple more. All right, back to football. If Derek Carr doesn't take the Raiders to the playoffs, do they move off from him? I think they do. Uh, I think if he struggled What's all his season, contract situation? They, they made it in such a way that they can move off him after one yeah. year. It was yeah, kind of the underrated part of that whole move. Um, it, yeah, that's a little too binary. If he plays well and they don't make the playoffs, they'll definitely keep him. But I, I just am saying if he had a very poor season, like the worst Derek Carr season, let's say, in the last five years, I think they would move off him, yeah. that is That would be extremely surprising to me because – as much as Carr can take criticism for not being a special quarterback or maybe being closer to good, much closer to good, uh, or even a tick below that than great. Um, I feel like at the end of the year, he'll have the production and, and Devonte Adams will be happy. It would have to really go sideways. I agree. Like what we saw in week one happening seven or eight times and they finish in last place because you got to be very careful there. If you moved on from Derek Carr, again, a guy that's good, um, you better upgrade at the position or what are we even doing? I understand you want to take that big swing if you think Carr's not the guy, but don't just blindly head into the offseason because you might end up with like Sam Darnold and a rookie quarterback. Well, I would say, number one, you've got a new coach, a new general manager. And so that heightens to me the chance that there's no marriage here to Derek Carr. It depends where they are in the draft situation, which what what the quarterback scenarios and in coming into the draft are. And trading huge players is no longer a rare thing anymore. I mean, I could see them swinging for the fences to acquire someone different. So I think right. he has to play real well. I don't think you're just stuck with him. Someone said Aaron, uh, uh, named Aaron Klanderman says, could we ever get Claybon or Connie Fox on this show? We will be adding some guests, I think, to this Friday show. Over There will be a rotation of guests dropping in. But while we're figuring out the uh, mechanics of the program, uh, you know, well, this is a work in progress. This is the Friday Fun Show. It's a working title. All right. Uh, let's see. Anything else? Want to do one more quick one? Sure. One more. <laughs> Will Trey Lance be benched if the Niners lose on Sunday? Now, people are overreacting to this. No. no way. I think they've got to be like, it'd have to be like one in five or something. But then at that point, 
you have to strike the balance, I think, is like, you're, this is a Super Bowl team. That's how they see themselves. How bad would the record need to go where, like, if you put Jimmy G in, who's also not going to save the day, it's too late. I think that's where the tension is. It's like, is are we going to go down with a sinking Trey Lance? But I don't think they know enough about him yet. I think that's part of the reason why, even though we talked about this on the Thursday show, I can't really take too much at all out of what happened at Soldier Field because of the conditions, but it still didn't help Trey Lance because I think he has, in my opinion, like a four game runway here to get things on track and and prove that they can move forward and score points and be the type of offense that could contend for a Super Bowl spot. And you basically just wiped one of those away because of the weather. So now we're into week two and their own one. And now he gets a clear runway, but now feels like more like a three week runway. I think that's what we're dealing with. Uh, but I just don't want to like get too crazy about what happened in week one. I'm lo- this is one of the things I'm more excited about seeing is what Lance look, looks like as long as the weather doesn't suck again, which uh, it's meant to rain. It's a, there's a yeah. high percentage. But it won't be of what rain. it was in Chicago. I'm guessing. No, weather is never exactly the same. It will be slightly different than that, that weather pattern. <laughs> That's a great point, Mark. Uh, all right, let's uh, close things out here. By the way, they could be a cornered animal next week. That was when I misunderstood how this show was going. That was going to be you have the floor, Greg, was all the potential cornered animals out there. A lot of heavy favorites that uh, like, like that's going like to fall. Little, um... 49ers, Rams, Broncos, that... Bengals, Raiders, Packers, like one of those teams is going to blow it as a heavy favorite this week and they're going to be a cornered animal. That's that's your week. Week three. Nice, Greg. I feel like Greg was a little scatterbrained before the show today. We didn't hear from you much. Then we heard there was tech difficulties and you didn't understand. It wasn't scatterbrained. I, segment, I just misunderstood your text last night. Oh, I thought it was like clear that we would take turns. Yeah, I'm that's with you, what, Dan, when you said I take turns, there was I thought you meant like you went. I went. Mark went. See, that's how I misunderstood <laughs> Okay. Um, all right. Here we go. MVP picks. Let's first, because um, I think accountability is important. Our predictions last week, I don't think. <laughs> that was hero well. of the week, though. I mean, it wasn't MVP of the week. Oh, sorry. Hero of the week. Yeah. Whatever. It's all mm-hmm. the same. Well, not with the guy I picked, but you can. we'll get to that. Last week, Greg, you had Jamar Chase uh, referencing the Steelers' corners as a, quote, major problem. Um, I mean, he did have a game-winning touchdown at the buzzer. They just didn't hit the game-winning game time, extra point. Yeah. I got I'm you. just saying. Um, I had Bill Belichick will be seen as a hero on Sunday um, for flummoxing <laughs> Miami and the Pats win. Well, the defense gave up 13 points to two in company, but the offense didn't show up, so that's wrong. And Mark got preseasoned. He said Danny Gray, rookie wide receiver for the 49ers, <laughs> would be the hero of the week. He was not active, but I bet he was really impressive in those preseason games. No, I think they probably really like his character. He's coachable. Uh, but no, that was a swing and miss. I was swinging for the fences because had that happened, uh, it's one of those things we could reference for the rest of the season, but it was a massive strikeout. <laughs> All right, let's make our hero picks uh, for week two. Mark. All right, I'm again. I'm gonna go against the grain again here because I think everyone is so infatuated with what they witnessed in Week One from the Buffalo Bills that I'm gonna go Ryan Tannehill, who I think played a really clean game against the Giants for the most part. I mean, what happened around him was messy, but if Ryan Tannehill on an island—well, it's not an island. There's two clashing islands on Monday Night Football, but 
He goes out there. there there's there's in, evidence that early in the season, Ryan Tannehill has succeeded against the Buffalo Bills. And I think the Bills, you know, they've been, they haven't played in like two and a half weeks, it feels like. And everyone's just going to hail them as conquering heroes back at home. Maybe there's going to be a little fly in the ointment yeah. here in the shape of Ryan Tannehill. All right. How this. about you, Greg? You're going to love Ryan Tannehill as the writer of QB Index. The more you watch him, you just feel like you realize he's so much better. Uh, I want to yeah. tell you about a, a boy in the city. Um, now, this boy grew up dreaming of Bill Parcells. You know, he loved Phil McConkey, Otis Anderson, Mark Bavaro. And when this boy became an adult, he even worked his way up to being an assistant on the Giants under a Parcells disciple. And this boy was Matt Rule. And yeah, sure, he had a chance a year ago to go win uh, in the Meadowlands, and he lost 25 to 3. Sam Darnold, you know, all right. Uh, sure, Sessie's dropped him like uh, the coldest take ever since, but on Sunday, he's going to stride into that East Rutherford parking lot where he went to as a kid, and he's going to go win a football game as a head coach in the NFL when Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson eat up this sorry giant secondary. And maybe he's not going to make it through the year, and he's never going to be Bill Parcells, but he's going to have Sunday to look back on that forever, and that's all right. And Parcells' mm. family doesn't even like him. Mm, ouch. <laughs> 42 and 46, still sticking to the ribs for Rosenthal. Let's see if it happens. I got, uh, you know, what a what an atomic uh, poop show for Russell Wilson last week. Uh, the way everything broke down, his team lost, the way things flamed out in the red zone, the way the game ended in disgrace against Seattle. Now Russell Wilson will have a huge week two. He'll be the best, like, most productive quarterback in football in week two. And it will be one of those 320-yard, four-touchdown performances, maybe makes a play with his legs. Completely destroys the Texans. And after all the hand-wringing and people upset, and rightfully so, about the way week one went and the coaching staff and Wilson's failures with the rest of the offense... All that will be wiped away with one dominant performance, Russell Wilson, hero of week two. Mm. You better. You don't want to lose that game. <laughs> no, you do not want to lose that game. All right, now, that's it. Reminder, the Around the NFL live show from London. Thursday, September 27th. Tickets available at Ticketmaster. Going fast, hotcakes, markdown prices. You know what you want. Go get it. Join us. It'll be fun. Sunday flagship show. Be there for that. Thank you for listening, watching, being a part of the show. Until then, heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.